that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday to you. It's election day across the country. A, a big election day here in Kentucky. It's a little overcast, not the prettiest day in the world, but the, you can't complain about the temperature, especially with the cold air coming in later this week. So get outside and appreciate it and enjoy it if you can. Lots to talk about today. Uh, just how bizarre is it after I go on a nice little Tom Crean rant, and I, I always enjoy a good Tom Crean rant, one of the most read stories I did before my Cats Illustrated days, before the days I wrote for Rivals, um, was for this blog, a, a very small blog, didn't get a lot of attention. Um, it was just something kind of past the time when I was in college. With uh, uh, One of my buddies asked me to, to write for it, and I did, and um, it, you know I learned a lot from it, but one of my piece that I wrote, they got more reads than anything else I, I wrote on that blog. Anything I ever wrote for the Kentucky Colonel UK student paper. Uh, and it probably got read more than some of my Cats Illustrated works. I like to think that maybe the majority of them get more clicks, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure about that. Uh, was this piece maybe two years after Tom Green was at Indiana and basically saying that it's not going to work out for him. He's not a great coach. He's not going to be an elite recruiter at IU. Uh, he's taking too long to rebuild the program. Yes, obviously, what was wrong at IU, what the, the troubles IU had under Kelvin Sampson would take some time to fix, but he took entirely too long. Anyways, long story short, uh, I, I wrote that years ago, and uh, IU fans had gotten a hold of it and didn't leave the nicest comments in the world. But point being, I might have been right, but not. I, I never would have predicted that Tom Crean would lose control of his program. And, of course, the day after, the day of, rather, the day of, the, the day I go on a big rant on Tom Crean on my radio show and talk about how great of a person he is, and I still stand by that, you get three Indiana players suspended, two for failed drug tests. Now, the other one was Emmett Holt, who you expected some sort of suspension, some sort of punishment. Uh, for his role in the the hitting Devin Davis, uh, you know, I don't know really what you call that accident. It wasn't a drunken driving accident, but alcohol was involved, and Devin Davis was seriously injured. So, anyways, you you find out Troy Williams and Stanford Robinson are now two more players that are likely that are in trouble. And Jeff Goodman of ESPN reports that it has to do with a failed drug test. I told everybody to listen to Tom Crean's call-in show here on 1450 The Sports Buzz last night, and it didn't disappoint. You had callers asking why Tom Crean still had a job. You had a, uh, a caller that identified himself as a former basketball trainer, manager, saying that this falls on Tom Crean, saying it right to him. Um, and it, it made for some awkward radio Interesting stuff. So we're going to talk a lot about the IU situation today. Uh, I don't know if that will be the bulk of our show or if it'll just be a segment or we'll see how long it goes. Uh, but we're going to spend a lot of time on that before we get to some UK and Louisville news. What a mess. I mean, what a mess to one of the top five basketball programs in the country. And it's seeming, it, it, it seemingly isn't getting 
the national play that it would get if it happened at a UK or a Louisville or a Kansas or a Duke. And partially, Tom Crean's to blame for that, too. So we'll talk more about that. Anyways, Yates, how are you? Doing well, TJ. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Um, we, we also, I forgot to mention this, we've got the dog doing the show with us today. The puppy is sleeping right on my lap. I, I'm trusting him to, to behave during the show. Um, if he has any hot takes, we'll, we'll bring him on live. But as of right now, he's, he's napping. Um, I'm sure you all would probably be able to hear and notice if he starts acting up. So far, so good. Uh, Yates, you there? Yates, you get out and vote today? I did, yes. All right. Uh, that's good. I'm glad to hear it. Hoping most of, if not all, my listeners have taken some time or will take time. Polls close at 6 to get out there and let your voice be heard. Uh, I went and voted during lunchtime. wasn't a good decision. I work from home, and I, I guess that was just kind of the time that I – was available was to I, I did it as soon as I could but I realized when I was getting there it was around 11 30 11 45 and the line was long I go up to to vote and you know god bless them but everybody that works there is uh, the volunteers at a voting booth seemingly is over 70 years old which is fine they do a great job but these two were just having a conversation right in front of my little precinct where you go and check in that lasted five minutes. And eventually another volunteer to come over and say, do you all not see these people right here? And uh, they eventually got around to, to checking us in. And then he handed me two ballots and I'm walking there and I've got my little uh, cheat sheet paper or the, the paper that covers it up. So nobody can cheat off my ballot. And trust me, plenty of people were trying to cheat off my ballot. I had my little cheat sheet. And then I'm going and I'm kind of just playing with the papers. And I realize I have two of them. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's concerning. Um, I, I didn't want to cast two two things worth of two ballots. So I went and took it back. And he thought I was kidding, I think, and kind of laughed it off. And I said, no, look, I've got one. And here's number two right here. Look at him. Woo. And so I gave him one back and went and, uh, went and made my, my votes. Couldn't believe how many judges you could vote for. That was a, in Louisville, you know, I, I couldn't believe how many judges there were. And two, I couldn't believe how many judges were running against no one. Uh, only running against the write-in vote. And Yates, you're smart and, and wise in your old age. Has a write-in vote ever won for a judge or a significant political uh, duty? Um, I would be shocked if that was the case. I, I would think definitely not for a judge because there are probably certain qualifications that go along with being a judge. Um, it's I would think that it maybe has happened for something else, but I can't imagine it's happened any time in recent history and for anything of any consequence. Yeah, it's I, I couldn't imagine it happening too. And you know, what if a write in vote name won and the person didn't necessarily know about it? Is there some kind of process where they have to step down or not accept their 
nomination or election. I don't know. It would be interesting to to see how that would how that would play out. Here's a little trivia question for you, Yates. Out of all the write-in votes throughout history for a presidential election, which write-in vote has the mo- which name has been written down the most? And if you want a hint, I'll give you a hint. Go ahead and give me a hint. It's a person that you've heard of. It's a name that you've heard of. It's a, it's um you know, I could give you a big hint and that that would help. Um but it's a person that's, you know, been around for 70, 80 years. Uh kids love this person. That's as big as a hint as I'll give you. If you need another one, that would that it'll be a big hint. It'll be a really big hint. <laughs> I don't I feel like that could be any number of people. Ro- Ronald McDonald. Okay, that's a that's a good guess. Although he's probably not been around for seventy or eighty years, so that's probably a bad guess. That's a good guess, Ronald McDonald, based on the hint that I gave you, and also everybody uh, nationwide knows Ronald McDonald. That's not it, though. Uh, this person is a cartoon character, uh, a famous cartoon character that kids love. Bugs Bunny, Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse is the correct <laughs> okay. answer. That no other name has. Uh, been written down more than Mickey Mouse since his first appearance in 1928. So uh, there's a little fun fact for you. Have you Clay, ever, six, uh, go on. Have, have you ever written in a name on a ballot? Have I? Yes. I don't think I have. And I've only voted three times last year, this year, and the 2012 uh, election because I wasn't 18 in 2008. Well, I was I, no, I was not eighteen in two thousand eight. I didn't turn eighteen till two thousand nine. So, no, I've never written in a name. I, can you get in trouble for writing in an inappropriate name? <laughs> um, that I don't know. I I'd be surprised if that was the case. I mean, they might. Well, I don't. I mean, what could they do to you? I, I don't know. Find your name and address and come track you down and give you a nice slap on the wrist. I don't know. I mean, I guess they could call you and reprimand you or send you a letter or something, but. I don't think you'd get in any real trouble. Have you ever written in a name, Yates? I have not. Although I did briefly consider writing in my name today for something that seemed like it was of little consequence, and I didn't have any idea who the people were. So, but I decided <laughs> not to. Well, maybe maybe in the the coming years, I'll I'll write some names in and, and get cute with it. But what am I, I didn't know. My, my question know what would the be: Yeah, I have no idea. My question would be: Is like, how do they determine? If there, if, you know, a lot of people out there have the same name. So, how do they determine who the write-in votes were intended to be for? Well, this is very timely because Clay B one sixteen, uh, who I got to a, a chance to see last weekend, is great as always to see him. And uh, he he says that write-ins. This is coming from uh, a, a text. Write-ins are a joke. You have to be registered as a write-in vote before before the election, before the polls open, for it to even count. So if you're not registered as a possible write-in candidate, then the vote is thrown out. So that kind of answers your question. If somebody were to write in Mike Smith, uh, Mike Smith isn't getting that vote unless he talks to the powers that be. And I wonder how hard it is to, to register for that. You know, who do you call? And do they ask if you're qualified? Do they go through all those questions to see if you can become a judge or uh, in charge of 
trash throughout Jefferson County or whatever you may be voting for? I don't know. Um, so, you know, fun time at the polls today. We got some other guesses from people with the, the most write-in names. Uh, Trevor Kelsey said Jesus. You know, you probably think Jesus would probably be up there. Would have to be. Before you said he'd been around for 70 or 80 years, my first thought was that it was going to be like God or Jesus or something like that. Yeah, you know, maybe, you know, if you think about it, Jesus has been around for more than 70 or 80 years. He's been around since uh, the United States has uh, been voting and even longer than that. Uh, so, you know, maybe if you go away, I don't know if they had write-in candidates back in the early 1800s, but, you know, maybe that would be the right answer. Yates, I guess there's no way of knowing. Uh, Gary on the G chat says he he guessed Mickey Mouse correctly. So... That's a, a big get for him. I don't know if he waited until after I heard the cartoon character won or not. Um, anyway, so go out and vote. And write a name in if you want. But do what you got to do. You know what kind of bugs me is how many people are complaining about people posting about them voting on social networks. There's so many Twitter police on Twitter and even some on Facebook that get mad at you if you tweet out that you vote. And I tweeted out the story about me being handed a double ballot because I was interesting. But if you want to tweet, I voted, you should too, or glad I voted, then good for you. Turnout across this country is pathetic. So maybe if you brag about voting, it, it will motivate somebody else to go vote. Don't be a loser and complain about people tweeting about that they're voting. It's their right and privilege as an American to vote, and it's their right and privilege to be able to celebrate it and talk about it. And yes, I guess it could be your right and privilege to complain about that, but it makes you sound like a loser, so don't. Anyways, we spent way too much time talking about voting, but that's, that's your typical sports talker uh, where we get into nonsense like that. Anyways, uh, talk a little bit about Tom Crean here before we go to our first commercial break, and we're probably going to end up talking a little bit after. So I, I talked about on the show a lot yesterday how, you know, you can't have all these incidents happen and still, really, if you were the winningest coach in college basketball, you can't have all these incidents happen and get, not be held accountable. You know, not at least privately be reprimanded by your athletic director that, hey, this has to change. This is a, a, a real bad look for the university. Something's got to change. This is kind of a warning to you. So you can't get away with this, even if you're a winning coach, without some sort of, sort of warning or consequence. But you take into the consideration that Tom Crean has not been a winner and hasn't been a winner for all but one year at IU, then uh, this is just a, a burden that you don't have to bear if you're an IU fan. You shouldn't have to. You're already kind of the, a joke on the court. You don't have to be a joke off the court either, especially when you've got the tradition and, and, and the passion that IU's basketball fans have. And it's ridiculous. And listening to Tom Crean's radio show, you know, it's 
it was almost sad. It's always, you know, you never like to hear a coach and uh, a coach, you know, ba- I, I don't like anybody to have their job questioned. It's just kind of awkward. You know, when he's making as much money as he's making, that's, you know, I guess it's kind of a different story. It's, it's, it's a good thing. Uh, if he were to be let go, you know, he'd, he'd be fine financially. But it's always kind of awkward when somebody calls for somebody's job to that person. But Crean didn't, you know, it didn't seem like he was as receptive to all the criticism as he should have been. And he did say this was on him and they've got to figure it out. But then you have Fred Glass just supporting the athletic director at Indiana, just supporting Tom Crean. It almost seems blind. It's a it's a a blind support for him. You've got to hold him accountable to some extent. The players can mess up time after time, and you can't. Like I've always said, you can't control what the players do, but you can control what happens after that. And if it continues to happen, then they're not. The players aren't scared of the consequences. They're not scared of getting in trouble. They're not scared of what could happen. It was, uh, you know, a personal story when. I was a kid, I would always suck my thumb and rub other people's fingernails. That's kind of what I did as a child. You know, people suck on their thumbs. I had a obsession with rubbing people's fingernails. And I got to the first grade, and eventually my parents said I had to stop. And if they caught me doing it, I would get in trouble. Because you can't have a, a first or second grader sucking their thumb and rubbing other people's fingernails. What kind of kid would that be? Eventually, I learned the lesson every time I'd get in trouble for doing it that, hey, I needed to stop or else this is going to be really embarrassing. And, and you know, even doing it that long was kind of embarrassing. But I learned my lesson. And guess what? I didn't do it in second grade or third grade or Ever. I mean, you know, maybe a occasional slip up here or there. But I understood the consequences. Indiana's players don't, so whose fault is that? Sure, it could be the players' fault. But Tom Crean is in charge. He's the boss of these players. He's who they have to answer to. And he's not doing enough to get through to them that, hey, stop drinking. Stop getting in trouble. Don't do drugs. It's just it, none of it's clicking for the players, and Tom Crean has to answer for that. Again, if you're winning, you can't necessarily sweep this stuff under the rug, but you can you can deal with it. The fans are going to be okay with whatever punishments you hand out because you're winning. Tom Crean's not winning. So at the end of the season, Tom Crean is there's a, a very good chance that he's likely to be fired. IU's not going to have a, a stellar season. You know, I think making the NCAA tournament would be a surprise. And, and it's time for Indiana to move on from that. So, uh, I, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about who's going to replace him at the end of this year. Because IU basketball, it, it it has been before. It's been a long, long time, but it can be great. 
I was talking with, we were kind of talking about this last night with my girlfriend when I had found out that the news had broken that two players would be suspended for drugs and they're going to be suspended four games, two exhibition games. Don't get me started on including exhibition games as suspensions. That happens everywhere, but that's not an IU thing, but that's just a joke. But we were talking about it. And she had mentioned that that it could be bad for Kentucky because as of right now, Kentucky and IU don't even really go for the same recruits. And they don't. IU doesn't recruit with the big boys anymore. And they did get Noah Von Ley last year, and Noah Von Ley was a really great recruit, but Noah Von Ley was a classified to the class of 2013 late. He was originally a 2014 guy classified late and most schools and teams already had that position filled or were already too involved with other guys. So IU kind of lucked into Noah Vonley. James Blackman, they got this year, but that was right in Indiana's backyard. He committed early. Uh, There's a lot of strings attached in that commitment. But with the exception of maybe those two guys, you get a, a new guy, a fresh face at IU, and they're recruiting. It, it, Kentucky's going to have to deal with them in the recruiting game. As of right now, they don't. So maybe talk some possible replacements. Uh, who would be a, a a solid candidate at IU? Because I, just after all this, I don't see how Tom Crean survives after this season. The IU fans are starting to to want that. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. To the Sports Talker with TJ Walker. We're back here, second segment, 1450, the Sports Buzz Election Day. If Brun DMC texting into the show a long, and I, and I read this during the break, uh, a different side of the Tom Crean issues, basically talking about how this is much bigger than him. IU became a dry campus PR stunt that you've seen a lot of universities do. Uh, Kentucky has done it. Uh, Becoming a dry campus is just as resulting in police looking for more citations to give out. You're never going to be able to stop underage drinking, but you can can get kids in trouble for it more. And the basketball team has suffered from this and – uh, it needs to, you know, this is a bigger issue for IU, and it talks about how Emmett Holt was blew a point oh two five, and that doesn't that doesn't impair your judgment. A blood alcohol level that low, it doesn't necessarily do anything to you. The only reason he was cited was because he was driving. And to an extent, I agree with that. 
you know, Emmett Holt isn't a terrible person. And again, it it sounds like Devin Davis, uh, again, you you wish for a speedy recovery, but it sounds like that accident was in large part his fault for not being careful and, and, you know, realizing and understanding where Holt's car was going and heading and, you know, not being careful. But again, this looks terrible. You're an Indiana basketball player. You're driving a car. You've had some beers, uh, you know, whatever it may be, a shot, a two shots. You know, I don't know how much Emmett Holt can drink, but you've had, um, you've had some beers. You have alcohol in your system. It might not impair you, but you're under 21 and you're driving a car. And that's not a good look, even if you're well below the legal limit. I talked about that yesterday. You can't be doing it if you're a basketball player. You're on a different level than just your typical student. So, you know, I, and if you want to say it's a bigger issue at IU and it, it, the basketball players are, you know, it, it – I. Maybe, maybe it's a bigger issue to IU that they've got to figure out. But if you're Tom Crean, you've got to figure out how to keep your kids out of trouble, your basketball players out of trouble. And if you can figure out how to do that, then who cares what the big issues are at IU? You get your kids to not drink. You get sober drivers for your players. You know, again, that if that became public and became national news, that wouldn't be a good look either that so-and-so program has sober drivers, but some of them do. That, hey, if you're a basketball player and you make a bad decision, you've had too much to drink, then you call this number and somebody will get you. Maybe it will be a trainer. Maybe it will be a manager. Somebody's coming to get you. He's got to figure out ways to keep his players out of out of the news, out of a negative spotlight. And he hasn't been able to figure it out yet. And that, it, that does fall on the coach. That's not a bigger issue. That's on him. He's got the power to suspend players to make those type of decisions to put a little fear into them, and he's not doing it. A four-game suspension, including two exhibition games, that won't do it either. It just won't. And I don't know if it's a coincidence, but the first game that those players will be back will be the SMU game. They're going to miss... Mississippi Valley, Texas Southern. IU should be able to get by those two teams. SMU without those guys, I don't know. Even if it's at IU. Basketball schedule is a little easier for IU this season. I think they're going to try to load up on wins and just hope that they can skate by in the Big Ten and see see how their resume looks at the end of the year. They are going to play Louisville. They're playing Butler. They're going to play Pittsburgh. None of those teams really jump out as you know powerhouses, with the exception of Louisville. They're going to play Georgetown. Georgetown's okay. It's not not a super tough schedule. Anyways, I I, I just don't see a situation where Tom Crean keeps his job at the end of this year. And if they if he does, IU fans could be furious. I was talking at lunch today about some possible replacements. The one everybody brings up is Brad Stevens. And 
Brun DMC brought up a good point. Stevens makes three point six million with Boston. Crean currently makes three point one million. And if you get a Indiana fan base as hungry as it is, it won't be that tough to get that additional money to get Crean uh, or to get Brad Stevens replace Crean rather. That's the name that comes to mind, and you've always thought that. Brad Stevens possibly was holding out for that job after making back-to-back national championship games. That you know he he's from Indianapolis, just north of Indianapolis, and Bloomington, not far away, not far away at all. You get him there, and you know that that could be a, a great hire. Now the question is, Brad Stevens left to go to the NBA for a reason. Now was that reason to? Take on a new challenge to see, you know, he's coaching the Boston Celtics. Debatably the best NBA franchise of all. So is his goal to become a a great NBA head coach? Or could he see the writing on the wall, Butler? Know that they were going to be down a little bit. Because when you go to the NBA, even if you do poorly in the NBA, if you're a good college coach... Colleges are going to want you when you decide to come back. Look at Rick Pitino. Look at John Calipari. People are going to want you if you go to the NBA as long as you did well in college. They don't care what you do in the NBA. And things have been tough for Brad Stevens with the Celtics, but they're rebuilding. And as a Celtic, I I call myself a Celtics fan. I'm not a huge Celtics fan, but I like the Celtics. And they're without a doubt moving in the right direction. So it really comes down to what Brad Stevens wants, but he probably does have to understand that if he passes on the Indiana Hoosier job this year, he might not ever get it again. Johnny weighs in on the G-chat and says, can we get back to the thumb-sucking and rubbing other people's fingernails discussion? No, we're probably done with that. I I think we've filled that quota for today's show. Run DMC says, Boston isn't so far from a college team. They're extremely young with the exception of Rondo and some other players. they've, They've got some veterans on their team. But it is a young team. You got Kelly Olenek, Jared Solinger, James Young, Marcus Smart, all big players in college, and there's there's plenty more of them as well. Avery Bradley. It is a very young team, but you know I, I don't know if I you know if you're Brad Steve, it really just comes down to what he wants. But I, I think he'd win big at IU, no doubt about it. He'd be able to recruit. And he's a great college coach. Some other names that come to mind, Greg Marshall at Wichita State. Again, a great, great college coach. Now, if I was an opposing arrival fan of Indiana, I wouldn't worry too much about Greg Marshall bringing in five-star after five-star. He would recruit, I think, better than Tom Crean is right now. I think he'd recruit, you know, good enough. I think it'd be similar to Rick Pitino at Louisville. And he's a great coach. So I would be better off with Greg Marshall, but I, I don't think that would be the lightning rod higher. To me, a great hire would be Shaka Smart. 
you get him at a you know you don't again you don't know what Shaka Smart's waiting for what he's looking at you know a lot of people talk about Shaka, Shaka Smart going to Duke when Coach K hangs it up wherever he goes he's going to be able to recruit he's young he's hip he gets it he's on social media that's you know he'd be able to relate with kids more than a 60-year-old. He plays a fun style of basketball. It's fast-paced. It's up and down. It's pressing. It's in your face. Kids would like it. Fans would like it. That would be your home run hire at IU, in my opinion. You know, Brad Stevens, of course, would be as well. But that's the one that I think gets IU back on the map. No, the big question is, do they settle? I, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I could see them end up hiring a guy like Steve Wojnarowski at Marquette if they ever wanted to go down the Marquette road again. I don't know if they'd want to do that. But it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's definitely going to shake up college basketball after this year with who they go and get. Yates, any names that I'm missing? No, I don't think so. I think those are all the 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 big names that you would think they would go after. I'm trying to think if you know, maybe a I I would I would think Richard Patino, little Patino is gonna be a hot commodity coming soon. And you know, if you wanted to take a chance on him at a program like IU, now by all accounts, everything I've heard, he's extremely happy at Minnesota and gets the sense that he can turn Minnesota into a Big Ten power. And and right now, it's not crazy to think leaving Minnesota to go to IU wouldn't be a lateral move at this point. Now, IU has the better basketball fans. But Minnesota, I think, just got a new basketball training facility up there. And if he can win, Minnesota has kind of a, a quiet, underrated basketball fan base. But by all accounts, he's extremely happy up there. It's his first big head coaching job, and there might be some loyalty attached to, to little Patino in Minnesota. And as for Shaka Smart, I was told that when Patino leaves Louisville, Tom George feels very good about having a chance to get Shaka Smart. We'll see. And I don't know when Patino's even going to leave. That could just be some, you know, little small gossip. But I did hear that, for what it's worth. So it's going to be interesting. You've, you've got these college coaches right now that it's going to be a new generation coming soon where almost every major program, big program, is going to need new coaches in the next 10 years, probably less than that. The face of college basketball is certainly going to change. Change likely much sooner than later at Louisville. At Indiana, not Louisville. I was reading Louisville on my computer, and I said that. Uh, I don't think Rick Pitino is going to be living here in the next two or three years. Anyways, we're going to head to our last commercial break. Very shout-out to the puppy Abe, doing a great job during the show today. So many hot takes that he can't even handle it. He's, he's passed out. 
So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll come back with one segment and turn our attention to Kentucky and Louisville. It's uh, It's been an IU-filled show, but stick around. We'll, we'll bring it more local. It's the magical mystery guy. You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back here. Last segment, 1450 The Sports Buzz. Brun DMC tweets in and says, Abe gets a shout out for not barking or making a mess in the house. And I get nothing. I guess I don't do it for the accolades. I don't know. I've, I've... Mentioned you several times on today's show, Brun DMC. I'm not sure what the issue is here. And I it's likely that you can go the length of my hour show without having to go out to go to the bathroom or chewing on something. So you don't need a shout out for that. Abe is just a puppy. A, a relatively good, uh, he's a good pup, all things considered. But he'll have his accidents and he'll he'll be a handful But as of right now, he's just he's he's being a little angel. He's always at his best when he's sleeping. And that's why he's a great dog. So anyways, a lot of IU talk on the show today and uh, plenty of fun interaction via Twitter and Gchat and text, whatever it may be. So appreciate everybody that's chimed in. Cats with a huge game this weekend. Louisville, really, with a big game, too. Uh, I, I think that's I think that's going to be a much tougher game than a lot of Louisville fans make it out to be. And maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe I'm just getting the vibe from some of my friends uh, that are that, that seem awfully confident about it. But Boston College is, is no slouch. They're a, a good team, a team that runs the ball well. has won three of its last four, has proved that it could win on the road, and has been pretty solid at home. You know, I, I expect that to be a uh, an interesting game with Louisville. It's certainly not a game that Louisville will run away with. Boston College hasn't been blown out at all this year. And they've had... You know they're they're coming off an emotional road win. They're finally back home, first time since mid October. I think that's going to be a tougher game than people think for Louisville. Now, luckily for Louisville, they've got they've got their sixth win. They'll go bowling, but the end of the end of the schedule here is 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 really tough. Boston College at Notre Dame, and then Kentucky, which it certainly seems like Kentucky might be the easiest team left on their schedule. But you know, Louisville could finish the year nine and three, or six and six, and, and I don't know which one necessarily is more likely. You know, it's probably somewhere in the middle. 
the big games for Louisville coming up, and um, you got to wonder where they're at mentally. Luckily, they got a little extra time after that Florida State loss, but you got to wonder where they're at mentally after losing a such an emotional, highly anticipated game like that. You probably would have liked a, a, a home game coming off that loss just to kind of be a little bit more comfortable, but we'll see. We talk about Louisville's uncertainty to fin- finish out the year. Kentucky's right there with them. Kentucky, three games left, five and four right now. You know, I guess theoretically they could finish the year eight and four. That would be awfully optimistic. But to an extent, you know, something tells me that this Georgia game this weekend might be the easiest game left on Kentucky's schedule. The one ranked team on Kentucky's schedule might be the easiest game. And Georgia's the most talented team out of the three. But Kentucky's a different team at home. You know, I don't know how many games we have to see from Kentucky to realize that. Now, you, you probably wouldn't want it to be a noon game if you're a Kentucky fan. You may want a more liquored-up crowd, a more pumped-up crowd. You're not going to probably get that with a noon game. It's also going to be cold. It might be a blessing to the skies that they're playing that game earlier for Kentucky fans. But Georgia's coming off a loss. It got exposed to an extent against Florida. Florida able to run the ball whichever way they won against Georgia. Kentucky's rush offense hasn't looked great. But maybe you get more Wildcat going. Or maybe Georgia overcompensates for UK's ability and, and hopes to run. And, and maybe Patrick Tolles gets back to Mississippi State Patrick Tolles and lights him up in the air. You, you know, you don't really know what to expect. There's been so many Jekyll and Hyde moments for this UK team, up and down. But I think they're going to look much improved from Missouri. I don't think you're going to see the ugliness of the Missouri game. And much like I, and we're going to preview this game a lot more later in the week, but much like this, much like the Mississippi State game, well, excuse me, to the opposite of the Mississippi State game, in the Mississippi State game, UK's offense was going to have to win that game. You knew it was going to be a shootout. You knew Mississippi State was going to score points. Could UK's offense keep up with them? And they did. It, you know, it, it wasn't UK's offense's fault that they lost against Mississippi State. Uh, the defense wasn't great, but you, it, it's tough to ask to slow down Mississippi State's offense. On the flip side here, you're going to ask a lot out of UK's defense. They're not going to have Todd Gurley. Nick Chubb is, is a great running back, but if UK's defense can keep Georgia, you know, under. 24 points, I think Kentucky's going to feel really good about their chances. Kentucky's defense is going to be the one that has to win this game for UK on Saturday. And I think Kentucky's defense did an did an okay job against Missouri for the most part. They were on the field a lot, had to be exhausted, held them to 20 points in Columbia. And even against Mississippi State, I don't think they did a terrible job for one of the, the nation's best offense. The tackling was pathetic. But if you take away the poor tackling, you know, they they put Dak Prescott in some uncomfortable situations. I think they forced more three and outs than Mississippi State was on average used to. 
So I think UK's defense is there, but they're going to need their biggest game of the year without a doubt against Georgia. And it's just so crucial and so big for Kentucky to be able to find a way to get that sixth win. The sooner, the better. Because, if, again, you, if you have to go into to Knoxville, Nayland Stadium, looking for that sixth win against a rival that you've only beaten once in the last 28 years or however many it is, that's tough to do. You don't get it there, you go into Louisville, uh, your biggest rival. First time ACC, SEC. And you're and you're playing for your postseason life in that game, win or go home. That's not a, a comfortable situation with an inexperienced Kentucky team for the most part. So it's huge that Kentucky gets in. Again, uh, I don't think a lot of UK fans would have circled the Georgia game as a possible win at the beginning of the year, but I did. Kentucky plays Georgia tight, all things considered. Last year, the exception, which I remember last year. This was back when I was a guest on the Sports Buzz. Trevor Kelsey would have me on, and all year he was predicting that that Kentucky would beat Georgia. He, he said, Kentucky's having a tough year. They've only won two games. They were two and four and two and six and two and seven, whatever it may be. But he always pointed at that Georgia game in Athens as a possible upset bid. And every time I told him, no way. No way, not this Kentucky team. Kentucky generally plays Georgia close. I usually agree with you, but Kentucky's had a lot of heartbreaking losses, a lot of close losses. It's going to be a night game in Athens. Georgia's going to roll. And they did. I was happy about that. Well, I wasn't I wasn't happy Kentucky lost. The Kentucky fans that listen to my show, I was happy that I was a, I was right about that prediction. And Trevor was wrong because we always like it when Trevor is wrong, right, Yates? Always. I know some Kentucky fan listeners probably going to tweet me or say that I was happy that Kentucky got rolled against Georgia. I, well, I, I you know, if I, that wasn't. I would have much rather been a competitive game, um, but I was happy that all year I was telling Trevor that that my prediction there was was different than his. But I, I, I think Kentucky's going to have a really good chance. I'm not ready to pick the upset just yet. Luckily, I can wait till Friday this week to make my PT picks of the week. And I don't know if I'd necessarily, one way or the other, consider that a lock. But I, I will predict the Kentucky and, and Boston College games. But Kentucky's got a great opportunity. Again, we saw angry Mark Stoops yesterday. We'll see how they respond. Uh, no, hopefully the hopefully the fans respond again. A noon game. Kentucky generally doesn't do a great job selling out that uh, a stadium at noon. Georgia, I don't think it's going to bring nearly as many fans as as they would have this time last week. I think that Florida loss. Georgia football has just been so blah over the past few years. You know, a lot of fans calling for Mark Rick's jobs, but he's been he's been good, but not good enough, eh, but not bad enough either. So I don't think you're going to see a huge Georgia output. It's a golden opportunity for Kentucky on Saturday. And again, one that I, I think they're going to at least make it very, very close. We'll see. Anyway, so we've got all week to preview these games. We're going to talk more basketball through Kentucky and Louisville basketball. I meant to get to the platoon system. We'll get to that later in the week. We still got plenty of time. 
So join us tomorrow, 3 o'clock. Thanks for listening today. Go out and vote. This is 1450 The Sports Buzz, The Sports Talker with TJ Walker. Thanks for listening. They say welcome to the 502 Take a Jordan boy and show him how Kentucky do Oprah Priest Classics, paint Kentucky blue They say don't forget 270, no be hitting two Song call it blue, grass, song call it purple I'ma call it home, take a shot of Tron Lay back in the lap and take two to the